The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 44 Food, Family, and Love Thomas lay dead at Paris's feet. Paris put her gun back in her holster, cleared the tears from her eyes with the back of her hand. She could only stare at the dead man. Her mind was stuck. She would not go one way or another. She could not think to run. She could not think to move. She could not think. She just looked down at him in the snow. From behind her, she heard the question that was not a question. Whiskey girl? Paris turned to see Penthesilia standing in the back door of the Amazon. The gunfight had been loud, and it had drawn her attention from within the bar. She came out to see. Despite the danger, she was peeking through the door. She did not know what to do. She wanted to help, but she didn't know how. Then Paris kicked Thomas and threw his gun away. She heard Paris apologize to him. Although... Paris had no memory of the night they met. Penthesilia had told her the story. She heard Thomas threaten to burn down the bar, to beat her up, to kill Paris. She heard Paris say that Penthesilia was her family, and although he was no longer a threat in the moment, she watched Paris pull her gun from her holster and kill Thomas. Paris turned to see Penthesilia staring at her through the door. Celia! I... Paris stuttered. I get it, Whiskey Girl. Come on, snap out of it. Help me with him. Penthesilia came out of the back of the bar and began to pull Thomas in through the back door. When both he and Paris were inside, she shut and locked it. Sit down. Celia ordered Paris, as she pointed to the kitchen table and the benches set around it. She went from the kitchen into the main bar. It was closed and all of the other girls had gone home. Now there was only Celia and Paris. She took a bottle of whiskey from the shelf along with Paris's glass, and then went back into the kitchen. She poured Paris a full glass and handed it to her, holding her hands until she could feel her grip the drink. She looked her right in the eye and said, Go ahead, drink this. You seem to function better with it. Paris didn't move. She didn't try and drink it. She just held it, sitting perfectly still. So, I'm family? Penthesilia asked. Paris looked up at her. What am I exactly? Because lately it seems like you're trying to make me your goddamn mother. Penthesilia complained, her hands on her hips. Believe me, Celia, you are nothing like my mother. Paris began to smile. I wouldn't think so, but you keep making me clean up all your messes. Do you have a plan to handle this? Penthesilia asked. Oh. Thomas? Yeah. I guess we have to get rid of the body. No one saw the shootout, so if they find out I killed him, I may end up in jail for this. Paris said softly, wistfully. I didn't want to have to kill him, Celia. I tried to tell him. I tried to warn him. But he threatened you. I know. 
I know, Whiskey Girl. I'm not blaming you, and you shouldn't blame yourself. Who else is to blame? My hand. My gun. If I hadn't been drunk that night... Paris looked down at the glass of whiskey in her hand. She set it on the table next to her. There is no one else to blame for this but me. Nonsense. There's him. You don't know, but you're not the first person to have problems with him. Although, it looks like you might be the last. Thomas was a fool and an ass. I don't know how he thought he could get away with his nonsense. Maybe he was just too stupid to see the consequences of his actions. But he seemed to like causing problems. He kept pushing people so that he could laugh at their discomfort and their anger. It wasn't your fault. I have to go get Pony. I've got to take care of the body. I should do that before the sun rises. Don't worry, Whiskey Girl. He ain't going nowhere. Penthesilia laughed. How about sister? You could be my sister. I've never had a sister before. Oh, damn. Unless Edgar's already married Pollyanna. Paris picked up the glass of whiskey and took a sip. Let's just say family. Family sounds right. Now, I need you to pull it together. We have to get rid of Thomas. Penthesilia explained as she set her hand on Paris's shoulder. Got it. I'll go get Pony. The night was warm for December, which meant it wasn't snowing currently, and the moon was out so Paris could see the path into the woods. Thomas was draped across Pony in front of her. Tiny drops of blood would fall into the snow as she wove her way through the trees deeper and deeper. She could hear the crunch of Pony's hooves in the snow. She could hear the wind whistle softly in the distance. She could hear the call of the coyotes. She stopped, cleared some snow, and started a campfire. It helped to warm her, and she hoped it warmed Pony. They stayed near it as Paris stripped Thomas down. Every time she removed a piece of clothing, she threw it onto the fire. When he was naked, she drug him further into the woods. Leaving Pony near the fire, she set Thomas against the tree. His head was slumped over. His body was cold. Well, Thomas, this is it. I'd sing you a song or give you a eulogy, but who's here to hear it? Hey, when you get where you're going, tell them I don't get it. It's a world full of contradictions, and every time I get close to something that seems real, it just disappears. Ask them for me. What's the point? What's it all for? Why am I not like other people? Why does it have to hurt this much? Paris breathed in the cold night air. She thought about Celia and the Amazon, Cassandra, the kitchen, Naomi and Cynthia. Thomas, I need to thank you. What joy I have now is because of you. The bar, my friends, Celia. I don't know if I would have met any of them if it weren't for you. Maybe sometimes you do need to stir things up. Maybe sometimes you should push people. It pushes people together. Goodbye, Thomas. Paris took her knife and cut deep into Thomas's chest, leaving two slashes. She stood and looked into the darkness. She could see the eyes of the coyotes reflecting off the fire in the distance. 
They were waiting for her to leave. He's all yours, she said to them as she walked back to Pony. She heard them cry as she covered her fire with the snow. They did not cry for Thomas. They did not cry for the loss of life. They cried so they could share this meal with their pack. They cried for their family to come. Theirs was a cry of joy. The sun was beginning to rise as Paris rode up to Elone's farm. She took Pony into the barn where it would be warmer. She patted her down, rubbed her a little. She promised her as soon as they got back to town, she would give her a huge bag of oats. She took the rifle and walked up to the farmhouse. She almost walked away. Maybe it would be best to keep it secret. But before she could lose her nerve, she knocked on the door. It took a few minutes, but eventually Elone answered, dressed in a thick cotton nightdress, wearing a blanket around her shoulders. Whiskey, girl? Elone asked. Can I come in? Of course, come in. I'm sorry, I know it's early, but I need to tell you something. Paris tried to explain as she walked through the door, holding the rifle. Elone looked nervous at her and at the gun in her hand. Sit here. Would you like coffee? Elone pointed to the kitchen table. Yes, coffee sounds amazing. Would you like something stronger? You look troubled. No. For once, I think I've had enough. Paris set the gun on the table. Um, what's the gun for? Elone asked. I thought I would return it to you. It's Thomas's gun. You don't recognize it? No. Thomas's gun is over there. Elone pointed to a fireplace and a mantle above where a flintlock musket was proudly displayed. This doesn't belong to you, Paris asked. No. Why would you think this is Thomas's gun? Where's Thomas? I'm sorry. Last night he tried to ambush me, was all Paris could explain. Oh, I see. Elone? called a voice from the back room. Are you coming back? Mary came out of the room, pulling a coat over her. As she stepped into the kitchen, she saw Paris. Mary? asked Paris. Whiskey girl? asked Mary. Paris looked at Elone and back to Mary. Well, if anyone had to find out, I'm glad it was you, Elone said with a smile and a slight laugh. You and Mary? Paris asked again. Do you think you were the only one? What's going on? asked Mary. The whiskey girl has come with good news. Apparently I'm not married anymore, Elone explained, as she walked over to Mary and took her hands, embracing her. Why? What happened? Mary looked at the gun on the table. I killed him, Paris said flatly. He gave me no other choice. I'm sorry. Don't be, said Elone. He made his decisions, and he made them poorly. Marrying Thomas was a mistake. I broke the heart of the person I loved the most. And now, finally I can make up for that mistake. Elone went to the stove and took the coffee pot. She set three mugs on the counter, poured coffee into each of them, and then dropped three large spoonfuls of sugar, stirring each cup as she went along. Picking them all up, she took them to the table and set one for her, one for Paris, one for Mary. When I was a kid, I fell in love. Mary's family owned the ranch across from us. We would spend all of our time together. 
until our families became suspicious. They pushed us into getting married so that we wouldn't, um, embarrass them. Mary was strong enough to refuse. She came for me, but I was scared. I broke her heart, and I married Thomas at the request of my mother. When my parents passed, they left me the farm. I think they knew Thomas was no good. He spent most of his time in town. He spent all of our money, and I think my parents were afraid he would sell the farm and run off. So, in their will, they named me, not him. But it doesn't really matter. The law sees the property as his. But when he took out a loan on it, supposedly for seed and supplies, the bank didn't care that the deed wasn't in his name. Then he spent that money on who knows what. I kept paying the loan anyways. I didn't care about his foolishness. I was only struggling to hold on to my home. One night, he found where I stashed the month's rent. He took it out to go have fun with it. That's when he met you. I never thought I'd see it again. I thought surely he'd spent it, but I had to try. I could not believe your kindness. I could not believe your honesty. But most of all, I couldn't believe you'd beaten up Thomas. Thank you. You taught me so much. Not just how to fight Thomas, but how to not fight myself. Seeing you not just admit who you are, but be proud of it. To stand in that bar heartbroken, yes, but admittedly heartbroken to a girl you wanted to marry? I wanted to tell you to try again, to not give up. But how could I say that to you when I wouldn't? So I asked Mary to join me in the class. I hoped I could repair and apologize for the mistake I had made. I did not think I would ever be free of Thomas. But you walked me through it step by step. I showed him I was strong, that I would no longer let him push me around. And now this? Eloni pointed to the gun. Don't get me wrong. I didn't want him to die. And I wouldn't have killed him, but now that he's dead? I don't have to worry that one day he'll come back. I can be free, open and honest with the woman I love, and with all of the friends who have helped me win her back. Eloni reached out and held Paris's hand. Thank you. I'm glad I could help. You can't tell anybody that you know he's dead. No one saw the shootout. If anyone finds out I killed him, I could be arrested. There's no way to prove that he tried to ambush me. I have taken care of him. He will not be found. What did you do? I left him with friends. What does that mean? Do you really want to know? Um, no. No, you're right. Maybe it's best not to know. Thank you, Eloni. Paris said as she stood from the table and finished her coffee. For what? I didn't do anything. For the first time in my life, the world makes sense. Paris smiled and began to walk back to the door when she felt a hand touch her on the shoulder. Mary turned her and gave her a hug, holding her tight. Then, letting her go, she patted her on the shoulder and said, Class at 5 a.m., right? Yeah, said Paris. We'll be there, right safe. Thanks. What do you want us to do with the gun? 
Hide it for me. Will do. Paris returned to the Amazon. It was somewhere around 3 a.m. She went upstairs to tell Penthesilia. Come to bed, Penthesilia ordered. I'm not sleepy. I'm going to go work in the kitchen. You go ahead. Okay, no drinking. <laughs> okay, Celia, no drinking. Paris agreed. Whiskey girl, Penthesilia asked, eyes clouded, head buried in a pillow. Yeah, Celia? I decided, big sister. You can consider me your big sister, Penthesilia said as she fell back to sleep. I like that. Paris whispered, and she pulled the covers up around Celia. Penthesilia woke up. She realized that Paris wasn't in bed next to her. She began to panic. She dressed quickly and rushed downstairs to find that the kitchen smelled wonderful. Someone had been working all night, and she assumed it had to have been Paris. She could hear the sounds of the class in the other room. She went through the kitchen door to the bar. The class was in full swing, and Paris was leading it. Relieved, Celia let out a huge sigh. Then, irritated, she called out, Whiskey girl, get over here! Paris looked confused. She couldn't imagine what Penthesilia was upset about. Celia? Paris asked as she stepped up to the bar. Why didn't you tell me you came in? I thought maybe you got found out. Maybe you got lost in the dark. You scared me. You should have told me you were back when you returned. I did. You did not. I absolutely did. We had a conversation. You said I could consider you my big sister. Paris smiled at the memory, then realized what was going on. You were asleep. We had an entire conversation, and you were asleep the whole time. I was not. Yes, you were, and you were worried about me. Don't make a big thing about it. Were you up all night cooking? What is going on in the kitchen? I was going to invite everyone to have breakfast with us, you know, for Christmas. What did you cook? Biscuits and gravy, fried potatoes and sausage, coffee, and when everybody was ready, I was going to fry up some eggs, you know, breakfast. You're giving away our food for free? Not free. I'll pay for it. With what money? Celia, I earned $40 last night. Oh, yeah, of course you did. Sorry, it's early. When you get around to it, consider it $39. All right, whiskey girl, it's your money. You were going to give it to me, weren't you? Of course I was. I'm just looking out for my little sister. She has a tendency to spend all of her money on whiskey and fast women. <laughs> That's not fair. I didn't purchase any women. No, you just brought them all breakfast. Go back to your class. I'll set the table. Penthesilia sat at the head of the table. Paris and Cassandra worked in tandem, serving everyone as quickly as they could. Then they sat at the last two seats. On either side of them was Mary and Alone, Naomi and Thalia. Penthesilia stood from the table. She lifted a mug of coffee in the air. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And for all your help yesterday. In case we don't see you tomorrow, Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas, they all responded. Now, eat up. We open in an hour, Penthesilia ordered. When it was over, she could not believe how much fun she had. Everyone had laughed and joked. Paris and Cassandra kept playing a hand-clapping game that Paris claimed would increase their reaction time, but it just looked like fun. 
Mary and Aloni were holding hands under the table. Penthesilia assumed they didn't know she could see that. Naomi introduced Thalia to everyone. Penthesilia caught Thalia twice, slipping something into Paris's coffee from a flask she had hidden on her somewhere. But it was Christmas, and she decided there couldn't be that much whiskey in a flask, and Paris could have a drink or two. When it was done, the girls said their goodbyes. Penthesilia and Cynthia went to open the bar. Cassandra and Paris, with Mary's help, cleaned up the kitchen. Naomi returned shortly, dressed in a beautiful green gown, her makeup done, and she smelled like night-blooming jasmine. She sat at the end of the bar as Thalia went into the kitchen to visit with Paris and Cassandra as they worked. From the moment they opened the bar, they were busy. Many people had become regulars and were making their visit to the bar part of their daily routine. Others wanted someone else to cook for them because they knew they would make a huge Christmas meal for their family tomorrow, and this would be their last chance to have somebody else do it. Tomorrow, the bar would be closed. Penthesilia smiled, despite the hectic schedule of having what was becoming the most popular bar or restaurant in Denver. There was joy and peace, and she felt happy that everything seemed to be going her way for once. When the sheriff entered the bar. The sheriff had brought four deputies with him. All of them were armed. All of them had rifles, as well as handguns on their hip. The sheriff walked up to the bar and stood in front of Penthesilia. Morning, Sheriff. What are you doing out on this lovely Christmas Eve? I have a warrant for the arrest of Anna Lee. Or should I say, the Whiskey Girl. She's your chef, is she not? You seem to have food prepared, so she must be in the kitchen. Why don't you go and get her? Arrest for what? I will discuss that with her. I just need you to go get her, unless you want me to go in there and drag her out. What is this nonsense? For once, this isn't about you, Celia. This is about her. Now, what is it going to be? The sheriff pulled the revolver from his holster and set it on the bar. Penthesilia looked at it and took a deep breath. She held up her finger, saying one minute, and walked back to the kitchen. She held the door closed behind her and looked across the kitchen at Paris. Celia, what is it? It's the sheriff. He says he has a warrant for your arrest. Thomas? Paris whispered. I don't know. He didn't say for what. How many men does he have with him? Five. But you're not going to shoot your way out of this. Cassandra, check the back door. Paris ordered. Cassandra very quickly peeked out and then shut the door again. There are two men in the alley with rifles. If you run, it'll make it look like you're guilty. Penthesilia speculated. All right. Paris began slowly taking off her gun belts. She handed them to Cassandra. Kid, hold on to these for me. Take them home and hide them. Don't let anyone see them. Got it? Got it. Agreed, Cassandra. Okay, Celia. You know a lawyer? No. I do, said Thalia. Can you get a hold of them? Will they help me? He'll do the job for me, or I won't do any more jobs for him. Thank you, Thalia, Paris said. She took a deep breath and walked out of the kitchen. The four deputies raised their rifles at her as she entered the bar. No one made a sound or moved. Paris had her hands in the air. I'm not armed. That doesn't mean you're not dangerous, the sheriff replied. 
he slid a pair of handcuffs across the bar over to her. Put those on behind your back, he pointed with his revolver. She slipped them on, clicking them closed behind her back. What is this about? Why am I being arrested? Anna Lee, you are under arrest for fraud and theft. Fraud? What fraud? You are under arrest for participating in collusion to rig a public boxing match. You think I faked it? Paris laughed. She was overjoyed she wasn't being arrested for killing Thomas, something she had done. Instead, fraud, something she hadn't done? Who did I collude with? Thomas? You think Thomas would have thrown a match to me? It's not about what I think now. It's about what the judge thinks. Come on. The sheriff pointed to the door with his weapon. Paris, still laughing, walked slowly towards the exit. They surrounded her. You can't make this stick. What are you doing? Paris asked the sheriff. Thomas confessed. He ratted you out. He's willing to testify to the judge. <laughs> Is he really? Thomas, Alone's husband. That Thomas? He told me you and him worked it out. If he threw the match, you'd pay him from the winnings. He's going to testify to that. <laughs> that I'd like to see. Paris laughed as she walked out of the Amazon. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse. Written by Paris Lee. Artwork by Helen Lee. Performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead. Except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at helenoftheironhorse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you.